Hey, how you guys doing? You guys doing all right? Man, glad to be up here with you guys. It's been a minute. It's been a while since I've been here on Sunday. Um, yeah, they, um, they actually let me back up. I can't believe it. <laughs> hey, if you don't know me, uh, my name is Rod. I'm the youth pastor here. And um, yeah, usually I'm, I'm not in here. I'm, I'm upstairs with the youth. Uh, but now myself and the youth, we're here with you guys. Youth, what's up? Where you guys at? Yeah, there goes some of you. That was weak. Oh, my gosh. What we're going to do is we're going to start off our time by, by reading um, our, our scripture, our passage for today, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to jump right into it. So let's read. We're reading um, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses, uh, roughly verses 4 to 10. This is what Paul is writing to the Ephesian church. This is what he says. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in our sins. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It was a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's workmanship. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good works which God prepared in advance so that we may lead our lives in them. Let's pray. Hey, God, we just want to give this time to you. Hey, we've already given this service to you. And so we just want to actually thank you for being here with us. We want to thank you for your spirit being here with us. And so, God, I just pray in this time that, um, that this, this, this isn't about me um, God, this isn't even about what I may even prepared, but God, I just pray that it will be your word that speaks through me to your congregation, to your people, and that it will touch their hearts in ways that will bring about change, um, that will bring about ways of drawing them closer to your son, Jesus. It is only by your spirit that this can happen. And so uh, use me, help me, and, and as well, speak to the hearts of those who are here. Pray this in your son's name, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, so we've been in this series called uh, Being You. And what this series is all about is just reminding you guys, um, letting you guys know that you've been uniquely created, that you've been created for a purpose, that you've been created for a purpose on purpose, and that when we begin to, to figure out, you know, why God has shaped us the way that he has shaped us, why he's created us the way that he has created us, then we are then able to figure out what it is that God wants us to do. And so this is what shape is all about. Shape is all about just figuring out how God has uniquely created each and every one of us who are not only in this room, but all across the world. And so as we've been tracking through this series, what we've been learning about, and what you guys will be learning about, is the different spiritual gifts you may have. You'll be learning about your heart today as I talk about that. You'll be learning about your abilities, your personality, and as well as your experience. And so today we got heart, though. We're talking about heart. That's what I've been given Pastor Brian said, Rod, you got a lot of heart, man. You're going to talk about heart. He didn't say that, but he probably thought it. That's why he gave it to me. Um, and so what heart is all about, heart is about your, your desires, your, your interests, your motivation, your, your ambition, you know, the things that interest you. Heart is, heart is about the things that you love. It's about the things that you, you care about, that are deeply important to you. Man, my heart is basically the things that get you up in the morning and keep you up at night. It's the things that you wish you could get paid to do, but man, even if you didn't get paid to do it, you would do it for free. 
And so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. And, and so here's where, where I hope to go with our time together. I hope to talk about the heart and how biblically it is the center of all things. It's the center of our being and how biblically it tells us that we need to guard our hearts. And, and then from there, I hope to talk about how God has provided a way. He has transformed our hearts. He has transformed our lives. And even more than that, by doing that, I'm hoping to remind us how God sees us. What is our true identity? And then from there, I just hope that we can respond. Like, how do we respond to what God has done? God is changing and transforming our lives. How do we respond to that? And so that's, that's the journey I hope to take us on. And hey, if you get nothing, if you realize like, man, he started off well, but you know, I'm kind of like zoning out now, leave with this. I still have your attention now. This is what I want you to leave with. God wants to transform your life so that good works can naturally flow from your heart. God, even now, is shaping and changing and molding your heart for good works can naturally flow from your heart. That's what you're leaving with, hopefully, is what you're going to be leaving with. Hey, you know, um, for as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a pastor. And you're probably thinking, why in the world? I don't know. I don't know. But as for, for as long as I can remember, I knew I was going to be a pastor. It was just kind of like it was engrafted on my heart. That was the thing I was going to be doing. It was the thing that I knew that, man, even if I had to do it for free, I was doing it. Now, maybe it's because my dad was a pastor. Maybe it's because I like people. Maybe it's because I love studying God's word. I'm not sure what it is, but, but the Lord put something on my heart. Even when I wasn't even close to the church, even when I wasn't living the way I, I should have been living, I knew that I was going to be walking in this way of being a pastor. And so unfortunately, I've had this misconception for most of my life until I started engaging with other people that figuring out what your passion is, figuring out the thing that you love, it's easy to do. You can do it, right? All you got to do is ask yourself the question, what do you love doing? What are you interested in? Go and do that thing. But then I found out very quickly that that's, it's just not that easy. It's a significantly difficult question to even ask yourself, man, what is it that I love to do? What is it that I feel like God has placed me on this earth to do? It's a hard question to ask. I think I've been afforded grace that I've been able to answer that question so easily. And so the reason why I think that is a difficult question to answer is because the heart is a complex thing. The heart, man, it, it, it works in various ways. It, it's, man, it can carry weight. It can carry things. That even when we turn to the scriptures, even when we look to the Bible, that the heart plays this significant, heavy role. In the Bible, the heart isn't simply this organ, you know, in your body that, that, that keeps you moving, keeps blood flowing through your body. That's, that's not all the heart is in the Bible. The, the, the Bible. In the Bible, the heart is actually, in fact, the, the, the central thing of your being. Like everything, your whole existence flows through your heart. And so for the biblical authors, the heart is physical, it's intellectual, it's emotional, and it also involves your desires. Fun fact, I researched this. You can fact check me on this if you want to. Um, I was, I was uh, doing some research with Bible Project, and they said that the reason why this is set up in the Bible like that is because the ancient Hebrews, they actually had no word for brain. They actually had no concept for a brain. And so the things that we may attribute to our brain, to our mind, they just attributed to the heart. And so in the Bible, with the heart, you think and you make sense of the world with your heart. It's where you feel and you have emotion. 
It's where your desires and your motivations come from that make you make a choice. So you don't have to go long in reading in the Bible and, and you get to read statements like you know with your heart. You understand with your heart. Um, actually, the phrase to have a broken heart, an emotionally broken heart, it comes from the Bible, to have a broken heart. Most of you guys probably know this verse, Psalms 37, 4, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That when you begin to align your desires with God's desires, that's the whole point of this verse, that then your choices will be similar to God's choices. That's the whole point. We, we want our desires to line up with God. And so, in the Bible, the heart is the center of all we do. The heart flows out. It's all of our existence. And so it's no wonder, it's no surprise that when we get to Proverbs 4, King Solomon writing to his sons, writing to us, he says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. We are being encouraged to guard our hearts, protect our hearts. And if we're being encouraged to guard and protect our hearts, that must imply that we need to be guarding and protecting it from something or someone, or even the enemy himself, the one who opposes everything that God wants for your life. This guarding is, is the way that we go about caring for all of our existence, all of our being. It's the way we go about caring for our heart. It is the source of our life. And so I have this conviction. I have this deep belief, okay? And here's my deep belief. This is, this is attached to us either doing a good job or a bad job of guarding our hearts. And so my conviction is, although it may not come easy, all of you, everyone here, everyone you know and interact with, you have something you love. You just do. You have something you deeply care about. You have a passion. You have an interest. You have something that energizes you or that you would do for free. You do. You have a passion. The difficulty is, the problem is, when we fail to guard our hearts, or when someone breaches our defenses, somehow, someway, we end up being passionless. Somehow, someway, we end up being just disinterested. We lose hope. We see no reason to give our energy into any type of interest that we have of our own. And it has to do with whether or not we have guarded our heart well enough. I know that even some of you guys in here are, are probably even just tired of even going before God and just asking God over and over again, God, please just show me. Give me a passion. And just feeling like over and over again, God hasn't been showing up for you. But he is. We'll get there. He is. And so often, what we can end up doing by not guarding our heart is we can end up in these different type of, I don't know, I guess I'll use the word traps. And so the, the first step I would say that we need to do, if we want to begin to start feeling passion in our lives again, if we want to start feeling like, man, God has me loving something, I'm just doing the thing that I love, I think the first thing we got to do by guarding our hearts is guarding our hearts from ourselves. I mean, I, you don't got to raise your hand, but who in here is their own worst critic? I'm my own worst critic, man. If you only knew, if you only knew what I even went through to get this prepared, I'm my own worst critic. And oftentimes, the reason why we're not stepping into what God has for us, we can't figure out what our interests are, is because we just have so much negative self-talk. We got this negative soundtrack just on repeat, on repeat in our heads over and over again. And we leave it unchecked. 
The Bible tells us to hold all thoughts captives, but we leave these negative soundtracks unchecked. Instead of speaking into your own life what God says about you, what Christ has done for you, we speak these negative things. And so I would say the first step of wanting to get even closer back to what God has for you, the interest that he's placed on your hearts, the passion he's placed on your heart, the first thing is guard your heart from yourself. Guard your heart from yourself. But even then, when we just so happen to get over our own negative soundtrack, we're doing a good job, here comes so-and-so, or what's her name? I was going to say Betsy, but I was afraid there was a Betsy in the crowd. Is there a Betsy in the crowd? Here comes Betsy, right? And now you've got to guard your heart from others as well. Now, I don't hang around a lot of negative people. And so I didn't even know what to really even say here because the truth of the matter is, if you're hanging around people who are negatively speaking into your interests or the things that you love to do, bro, get some new friends, man. Find some new people to hang around. Don't tolerate that. But the truth of the matter is, we also have to guard our heart from others and the things that they may try to speak into our lives. But it's just not speech, but it's also actions. Guarding our heart from others, guarding our heart from the difficulties of life. Because the truth of the matter is, is life is hard. And it's difficult. We've all been through it. We've all experienced it. And so a lot of the times, what is kind of stealing our passion, man, even stealing our joy, is the fact that we're carrying some stuff. We got some emotional brokenness. We got past hurts that we're still holding on to. We got past traumas that we, we haven't even figured out how to navigate or resolve. And it's crowding our heart. It's beginning to make in our heart hardened. And it's beginning to cause us to feel like, man, we may never have passion again. The Bible describes it as having like this block or this veil over your eyes. And you can have this veil over your eyes where you can fail to see how awesome God thinks you are. You can have this veil over your eyes and be failing to see how uniquely made and created God has made you. You fail to see it. And a lot of that is rooted in the fact that someone has breached our defenses and has hurt us. Maybe we're carrying frustration and anger. Maybe we're carrying a type of hurt that we ain't even shared with no one before. And we need to get that resolved. We need to figure out how to get that resolved. You know, I, I never thought um, there would be a day where I, thought, where I felt like I didn't feel called to be a pastor. Or I didn't want to be a pastor anymore. I never thought there would be a day I would lose passion. But it came. It had nothing to do with pastoring. had nothing to do with the bridge. Love you guys. You guys are amazing. I don't want to go anywhere else. Love you guys. But man, I lost passion. And so what I began to figure out is like, it, although it had nothing to do with those things, what it had to do with I was carrying some emotional hurt. I was dealing with some unresolved things. Instead of having a rhythm to life that allowed me to resolve the issues that were going on in my life, man, I was just go, 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 sweeping stuff under the rug, not paying attention to stuff. And slowly but surely, without me even knowing, my heart began to get hard. I began to lose passion. Man, and couple that with a, 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 being your own worst critic, it was just like a, a perfect storm. 
And so what ended up happening for me, and I think this could be the same for you, is I didn't need to try to figure out how to recapture the way pastoring used to feel for me. I didn't have to try to find a new thing or a new way to go about pastoring. That that wasn't what it was for me. What I needed to do is return back to the one who gave me my passion in the first place. I needed to return to the one with my heart and say, hey, heal this. God, take my heart. May my ways be your ways. May my heart break for what your heart break for. May my desire be your desire. God, take my heart. And whether you can relate to what I went through or not, there are a lot of us in this room who need to go to God with our hearts and say, hey, God, here, take this. Heal this. I got some past pains from my childhood. I don't know how to resolve. God, heal this. God, I need you to transform and restore my heart. I got some sins in my life I can't seem to let go. I seem to be so self-absorbed with me. God, will you transform my heart? A lot of us need renewal. We need to hand our hearts over to God. If for any other reason that God wants your heart, he does. He wants your heart. More than your actions, and we're going to get into it. More than you sitting here on a Sunday, and, and I'm glad that you're here. He wants your heart. Your being, your whole, your all of your existence. David writes, he says, in the Psalms, he says, Come taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants you to experience God. He wants you to seek him out and have an experience with God. He said, hey, for those of you who need to cry out to the Lord, cry out to God. Why? Because the Lord is close to the brokenhearted He rescues those whose spirits have been crushed. God wants to take your heart of stone, and he wants to soften it. He wants to give you this heart that is sensitive to the things that he wants for your life. He wants to give you this heart that is aware of the ways that he has uniquely wired you. Do you trust him with your heart? Are you seeking him? Because the moment you do, guess what? God's going to meet you right where you're at. He's going to meet you right where you're at, right what you're going through right now. You don't got to do anything more. You don't got to take one more step. He's going to meet you right where you're at. But will you seek him? Will you trust him with your heart? Paul describes this as being alive with Christ. He, He describes this as becoming alive with Christ. Paul, in writing to the Ephesian believers, Prior to what we just actually read in in, uh, chapter 2, he's informing the Ephesian believers, he's informing us that prior to Christ, we were dead in our sins. Physically alive, but spiritually and morally dead. We were zombies. The walking dead. Never seen it, but that's what I was for a long time in my life. The walking dead. We were zombies. We We were living life in a way, we, were, we weren't fully alive. We weren't fully alive to way light, the way God wanted our life to be. But then Paul writes something that, honestly, if you gave me the time, it'd be a sermon in itself. Then Paul writes, but God. God steps in. When there's chaos in your life, when you feel like you ain't got a handle on things, Paul's writing, but God. When you feel like your passion might never return, when you feel like you just can't get out of this rut of being hopeless, Paul writes, but God. Let's read it again. 
Ephesians 2, 4 to 6. But God. Can you say that with me? Let me hear you say that. But God, yes, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in our sins. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we were united with Christ Jesus. God's heart is for you. It is. He desires you. Isn't that amazing? That he loves you. That, that God's desire is so deep for you, his love is so great for you, he was willing to step into human history and give his life for you. That's crazy. He was so willing to send his son for you. That's how much he loves you. Isn't that remarkable? His heart is for you. He loves you. Have you ever had um, someone tell you something so passionately that like, it kind of like rubbed off on you? Like they tell you like about this amazing, man, you got to watch this TV show. It's the best TV show ever. You're going to be laughing so much. And you're like, you know what? Maybe I will try that TV show. You go watch the TV show. Man, this TV show is amazing. Or they tell you about a food or a movie. Or, or one of my youth leaders tell you about, so passionately about how great the youth ministry is. And next thing you know, you're serving in the youth ministry. <laughs> right? Sometimes someone else's passion can rub, on, or rub off on us. Their interests rubs off on us. Man, what would it look like to be affected by God's love for us like that? What would it look like for for God's passion for us to rub rub off on us? For us to see ourselves the way that God sees us? For us to live the life that God has kind of prepared and mapped out and planned for us? To begin to live this life that God was so willing to give his life for. What in the world would that look like? I want to submit to you guys it would look like this. It would look like receiving the gift of love from God. Receiving that gift of love through Christ. And then allowing that gift of love to just pour out to others in various good works. We receive the love and we allow that love to pour out. This is, what, this is what Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's workmanship. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good works which God prepared in advance so that we may lead our lives in them. You are becoming a new creation in Jesus. And because of this, your good works are going to flow from a place of your heart. We don't do our good works. We don't serve. We don't love others in hopes to persuade God. Like, God, do you see all these good things I'm doing? Do you love me now? Will you rescue me now? We don't do our good works. We don't do the good things. We don't live our Christian life in hopes that God will see and then respond. Rather, God has already done the work. He's already died and rose again. And so it's out of what God has done for us, out of the love that we receive from him, that we then go out and love on others. Got to think of it a different way. I do my good works because I'm so thankful for what God has done for me. I do these good things. I serve in the church. I want to serve in my community because of the transformed heart that God is giving me. My heart, my life is becoming day by day more and more like Jesus 
And so I go out and do the things that Jesus would do. Not to be saved, I'm already saved. This is a response. This is the way my heart is now. I've been changed. That's what the Christian faith is all about. Paul, he describes this as being God's workmanship. He uses the word workmanship. This is the Greek word poema. You guys don't care about Greek words, I know, but let me be a pastor for a couple seconds. It is the Greek word poema. It's actually where we get our English word poem. We get our English word poem. And so think of it like this. Humans that are being recreated in Jesus, transformed by God's Spirit, are like God's works of verbal artistry. It's like a poem, a lyrical masterpiece. I'm sure right now, all of us can think of music that has, in some way or another, changed our lives, has had an effect on us. I know right now there are people in the crowd who like Taylor Swift. Can you believe they caused an earthquake the other day? Actually, you know what? I'm not going there, but they did. Look it up. It's quite crazy, right? We, we all have different types of genres of music that we love. And we love a particular artist for a reason, right? They've, they've maybe changed our heart. They, they, they changed our lives with their lyrics. They've, they've affected us with the songs that they've created, right? Or at the very least, they've helped us have a better workout in the gym, right? It's, we just love the music that we love. In a similar way, God is creating these artistic masterpieces. He's creating you. That's what he's doing. And as God speaks forth, forth in your life, as God speaks these amazing bars, just spitting bars in your life, you then go out and begin to live a life of good works flowing from your heart. God speaks into your life and through your life into the lives of others, whoever you may be impacting, whether it be in your neighborhood, whether it be at your job, whether it be in your family. You are a lyrical masterpiece being spoken forth by, by God. It's an amazing thing. Mm. God is transforming you to be someone's favorite song on repeat. There's somebody out there, man, who's experiencing love from you like they've never experienced anywhere else. And it ain't got nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the love of God that is flowing through you into their life. Man, you are someone's favorite song on repeat because of the way God is transforming your life. The way he can be transforming your life if you're seeking him out, if you're giving him your heart, allowing him to meet you where you are at. You are God's workmanship. He has created you down to every last detail. He has poured his heart into the song of your life. These desires, hopes, interests, ambitions, dreams that you have, they are not by chance. They've been given to you by God. These are the good works that God has prepared in advance for you. Isn't that, isn't that wild? Paul says, hey, God's already got stuff prepared for you. He's already got it prepared for you. You just got to walk in it. God has already uniquely wired you in such a way that the things that he has prepared you for are already ready for you to walk in them. But it's up for us to take those things 
It's up for us to take our our interests, the things that we love, the things that we desire to do. It's up to us to take those things and begin to use them and leverage them for the good works that God has prepared for us. It's up to us. We have to eventually take that step and begin to use the things that God has uniquely wired us to be able to use and be good at. And so what are these good works? And I have no idea how I'm doing for time. And so just know I'm almost done. Don't worry. It's okay. It's okay. okay. I'm just messing with you guys. What are these good works? These good works aren't just spiritual. They're not just spiritual. They're, They're not just church stuff. Right? It's not just worship and, and, and Bible studies and us coming here on a Sunday and, and missions trips and you know, seeking out justice, helping out the ports. It's not just that stuff. It includes that stuff. But to just limit it to that is way too limited in our thinking. Because as you read Ephesians, what Paul is trying to get across to the Ephesian church, what he's trying to actually get across to us is that God cares about your whole life. He's transforming your whole life. He wants you to do all things to the glory of God, not just some of these things over here. He wants everything. And so this includes your family. This includes your workplace. This includes your neighborhood. This includes your friends. Wherever it is you have an impact, wherever it is that you may be, God is saying, hey, allow those good works to flow from your heart. Allow me to speak forth from you to those who you are engaging with. It's all encompassing. God wants your whole life. I got this quote from Tim Mackey. Hey, if you know anything about me, I love Tim Mackey and Bible Project. And so you need to be accessing these resources because what they're doing over there is absolutely remarkable. This is what Tim says. He says this, every day God's people are called to devote to God their whole body and mind, their feelings and their desires, their future and their failures. This is what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. This is what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Hey, God wants to transform your life so that good works can flow naturally from your heart. This is where we're getting. He wants to transform your life so good works can flow naturally from your heart. This is the new way of living that God is offering us when we choose to follow Jesus. So I'm going to wrap these things up. Man, I feel like I'm at the Apollo real quick. Am I getting booted off stage? I'm just messing, man. You know me. I joke around too much. Hey, so, so what do we do? How do we respond? So God is obviously doing a work. He wants to do a work in our hearts. He wants to shape us and transform us into the image of his son, Jesus. He wants his spirit to work in us and through us. How do we respond? What can we do today, this week? I think the first thing to do is embrace your identity as God's workmanship. Embrace your identity as God's workmanship. For some of you guys in this room, your first step is just this. Reminding yourself who you are in Christ, who your true identity is. You're not defined by your past. You're not defined by what others say about you. You're not defined by that inner critic. You're defined by the truth of what God says about you. A lot of us, we we need to start here so we can begin to break the walls off from around our heart and be reminded of, of the way that God has uniquely created us and the things that he's placed on our hearts. 
the way I've heard it, I loved it. I don't know who said it, maybe Kirk Franklin, but he said, hey, if, you got, if you're still breathing, if you still got breath, God's not done with you yet. There's still hope there. One of the ways to maybe tricking yourself into this, I don't want to think about it that way, but one of the ways is gratitude and thankfulness, man. That I'm telling you, when you have a heart of gratitude and thank, all of us have something to be thankful for. A roof over our heads, food on our table, a car to get to and fro, a bus to get to and fro. We all have things to be thankful for. And I'm telling you, when you get your eyes from being down low and looking at all what is wrong with the world, but you get your eyes put up and fixed on Jesus and start being thankful for the things that he's done in your life, I'm telling you, it'll shape your heart in a way that you wouldn't believe. I don't know who started that clap, but it was probably my mom. Thank you, mom. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm up here doing my best. Hey, man, do you trust God with your heart? Because he wants it. Will you give it to him? Last thing. Here's the last thing. Strive to live wholeheartedly. Strive to live wholeheartedly. Think of a Venn diagram, these three circles. I want you to ask yourself three questions, okay? This is what I want you to ask yourself today. What matters to God? That's the first question you're going to ask yourself. What matters to God? Start Bible study. Start seeking it out in the scriptures of what matters to God's heart. Spoiler alert, it's people, and particularly the people who are on the margins. But search it out. There's other things as well that matters to God's heart. Figure that out. Then you need to ask yourself the question of, like, what matters to me? What matters to you? And I hope this is fun. You get to ask yourself the question, like, man, what do I love? What am I interested in? What am I, what am I willing to take a risk on and just try out? What motivates me? What energizes me? What matters to me? And then you're going to ask the question, of how am I using this to the glory of God? So what matters to you? Don't be afraid to fail in this area. Don't be afraid to try something that you wouldn't even think that you'd be interested in or doing. Man, just let it flow. And the last question you're going to ask yourself is like, what matters to people? This is when you get your community and your church in view. What matters to the bridge? What's going on at the bridge? What are the needs at the bridge? Where can I be stepping in and using some of my gifts and talents and interests and desires? How can I talk to Pastor Rod about youth after this? Yeah, it wasn't a joke. I'm glad you guys didn't laugh because I want you serving. Right? But no, there's so many areas, whether it's seasonal groups, whether it's kids ministry, whether it's a young adult ministry, whether it's host ministry, whether it's the hub. Like, man, what are the needs of my church right now? What, what, what's going on there? And the last thing is what, what matters to people? What matters to your community? What's going on in your school? Hey, do, do you know your neighbor's name? Not just these guys. What about the guys across the street? Guys and gals across What about the people down the street? And if you know their name, great, thank you. Next step, what's going on in their lives? What's, what's, what matters to them? How can you use the way God has uniquely designed you to begin to live a life on display to God's glory in their lives? Hey, I want you to just get out and try something. Because the truth of the matter is, we need you. We can't do it. Hey, I can't do it by myself. Nobody, no one person can do it by themselves. There's not an elect few, few here at the bridge that can make it happen. We are the church together, guys. And I'll tell you this. When you start trying stuff, when you step into it, that's when you'll begin to experience this vibrant faith that God has already prepared for you. You'll begin to experience the joy of the Lord. But like, man, Christianity is actually fun. I didn't know. Thought I was just coming on a Sunday. No, God wants more for you. 
He wants you to go out those doors and begin to live a life on display for God's glory. He wants you to be God's lyrical masterpiece. Let's pray. Hey, God, we just thank you. We thank you for being a God who is so patient with us, for being a God who just loves us so deeply. Man, that you would just put on human flesh and give your life for us. You didn't come here, down here on the earth and become a king. You came down here, became a servant. You humbled yourself to even death on a cross. God, may we look to you. May we seek you. Seek to have a heart like your heart. and Begin to go out into the world and allow your love to affect others. Pray this in your son's name, in Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen.